Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, if you've not uh, been able to pick up week five, they're up here. Anybody need a week five? Okay, I'll... out there. Thank you. And if you need week one, two, three, four, they're up here as well. You can grab those. And and um, I'm excited about tonight. I've been, uh, I got really pumped up when I, I'm going to share at the end about the Argentine revival. Okay. And um, I had one of the revivalists when she was, it was Karina, uh, I think Karina's online, Hi, Karina. Just got back from Argentina. And uh, I think her grandma was, I want to say 88, maybe it was 84, but we were in our second mission trip to Resistencia, Argentina. And um, grandma was kind of bedridden in her house. And Karina told me and my wife and Pastor Willie and Pastor Nilsa, you know, that my grandma was in the Tommy Hicks revival. In fact, she was one of his key intercessors. She was one of his intercessors. And the way they would do it, and uh, I'll share you some of the most amazing moves of God that happened in that country. Go from a pagan country filled with witchcraft to be overflowing stadiums with God and, and numerous miracles that are unbelievably uh, what God can do with somebody just simple obedience and uh, activated by, the, by a prophetic word. And so anyway... Um, when we heard that, we said, well, we need Grandma to pray for us. So Karina brought us to her house, and she laid hands on my wife and I and Pastor Willie and Pastor Nilsa, and uh, she told us that she was one of the intercessors. And what they would do, the intercessors in the stadiums, when they started to get packed with 110,000 people at a time, over 6 million came to his crusades and everything. He uh, rivaled Billy Graham and all that at the time. And they would have a stage set up, and they would put the intercessors underneath the stage, and they would pray. And she said there was like fireballs that would go out and miracles would break out sovereignly. And uh, so we're, whew, I get excited about that kind of stuff. Lord, help us, Jesus. I just wanted to get on you. There's an expectation. We're not going to be like the, the group at Nazareth who didn't have much belief and the Son of God could not do many miracles in his hometown. Uh, we're going to have a, a group of people here that believe he can do what he says he can do. And uh, in fact, yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, um, I wanted to take a, take a, just a couple of minutes, and I want to invite, come on up, Dylan. Bring Zoe. Come on. Come on up. Come on up, Anna. And uh, these guys are new to the church, just moved here from, I love when God says, move to Wilmington, and not really sure why, and and, and here they are. And so I want to take a minute, and, and I always like to hear, well, one, why do you stay here? That'd be good to know. <laughs> Absolutely. I told him by surprise. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Pastor Tom. I just want to, before I share our story, just say thank you to everybody that has just received us with open arms. I mean, just the warm welcome has been awesome. And one of the biggest reasons that we've decided to stay and, and want to move forward and serve here. So Thank you so much, guys. Yep. Um, before we came here, we were going through a lot of what I would call trials and tribulations. Um, we had a lot of closed doors um, at the previous church we were at. 
Um, I, we moved from Raleigh, as Pastor Tom had said. I'd lived there for 21 years. Uh, my wife lived there for seven years. Um, and we were serving at our previous church for around, I think for her seven and for me five. We felt some doors closing. Um, I lost my job tragically um, as well. And we were just kind of stuck in limbo trying to figure out where we needed to go and what God had wanted to do in our lives. Of course, starting with the job, but we also started feeling the spirit move and we felt like a total life overhaul was about to happen. And we got into prayer and um, we started feeling Wilmington and the voice of God came and said, I'm moving you to Wilmington, North Carolina. We went to kind of test this word out. We went to the beach, Wrightsville Beach, a couple days later that weekend. And I mean, we felt freedom as we were driving up here. And within, I would say, like one minute of being on the sand at, the, at Wrightsville Beach, a couple approached us and said, hey, guys, your baby's super cute. What's her name? Of course, she's the, she's the door opener. And um, we kind of shared where we were at. And they said, we're moving out of our home in like two, three weeks. Do you guys want to move in? And just like that, we didn't even need to look for a place to come out here. Yep. Yeah, so, so awesome. And then we still had a job situation to deal with, right, and a church we needed to find. Um, I got into prayer. I was sending out mass applications, and God again spoke and said, I'm going to give you a job at Seamless AI. It's an artificial intelligence company that I had applied for. Out of the hundreds of companies I had sent applications out to, they were the only company that ended up getting back to me with the offer. And we were looking up for, we were praying for churches to go visit. Before we looked up online or anything, what churches were out here, um, God also said, I'm going to bring you to Global River Church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it had a vision of the Ezekiel River rising as well. And so just a quick Google search showed that there was a Global River Church with literally my, the motto is Ezekiel River rising. So. Yep. So we're we're so happy to be here and just have so much confirmation for what God has said. And did you want to add anything? In there? Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I mean, my husband kind of told our story of why we're here, but um, I'm sure she's got lots to say. But um, I definitely do want to second um, all the warm welcomes, and I have really, really loved getting to know a lot of the people that I've talked to so far, um, and we're really excited to grow in God and to grow with all of you guys um, and to just watch God do what he does best. So <laughs> thank you guys so much. Would you guys stretch your hands towards, I want to pray for you guys, right? So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. This answered a prayer. We said, Lord, bring the couples, bring them from the north, south, east, and west. And I love the confirmations. So, Lord, right now, we want to activate the gifts. There's a prophetic gift that's operating here. And so, Lord, we want to have it completely be accurate and on time because we need it. The, the, remember, the word of prophecy was promised through Acts chapter 2. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for raising that up. And we, we thank you for this family. In Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. (laughs) Zoe life. That's awesome. Praise God. 
All right. Well, praise the Lord. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? Yeah, praise the Lord. It's good to see. Rich, is that foot healed yet? Better. Better. We had our first prayer time in the tent. It was on, I don't know if you knew it. I was home and I came, oh, they're already praying for somebody in the tent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Willie was on the roof of the tent. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is he doing up there? Anyway, let me shift. Test. Test. I'm on. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, um, l- let me ask you all some questions first. Um, wh- what is revival? Somebody tell me. Here, turn this on, Daniel, too. Uh, somebody tell me in your own words, what is revival? Renewal. Renewal. Okay. Awakening. An awakening. Come back again. Come back again. Restoration. Those are all good words. Refreshing. Refreshing. Oh. New life. Oh, they're not hearing it? I'm kind of saying what they're saying, but new life. You're going to run it? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. People online. I wanted online. to tell you what I thought revival was. Oh, okay. I thought you were telling yeah, me something question. was wrong I'm with to the sound. The question. It's like, hey. <laughs> Daniel, tell you, us what revival well, is. I just had a realization about what revival was just just a couple, maybe two, two, three months ago, and it's it's the raising up from the dead. It's it, the the dead the the body that's lying. Dormant. Did you look at my notes? No, this is this is the revelation that I got. Man, it's the raising up of the dead. It's the bringing the church back to life Amen. again. Yeah. Restoration, renewal, refreshing, all those are good, good words. Um, oftentimes, what, what, do you think the, uh, what do you think is the major stopper of a revival? What hinders revival? Lots hinders. Unbelief. Tradition. Okay. Could I put religious spirit on that? Okay. Anything else? Lack of trust. Okay. Lack of prayer. Yeah, in fact, I've studied a lot of the revivals. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but they usually start with intense prayer, even if it's just a few people. You know, you think about the Welsh revival and, and Evan Roberts and them. So, um, all right. So, let's take a look at your handout. Um, I want to kind of poke some, I want to, I want to kill some sacred cows tonight so that we can uh, move forward. We, uh, like I said, I can't remember the number of tents we've done now, but um, I remember us, I won't pick the location because I don't want to, we've reconciled with the leadership at that location now. But um, when we set up this tent, we set up the tent and the revival was, I mean, things were happening under the tent. Healings were coming. People have, and one particular night, um, in this particular place, there were some men who had been in a treatment facility, and eight of them got gold teeth in one night. And we got excited. I mean, if you don't have to spend thousands of dollars fixing your, your bridge work, that ought to make you happy, I, I would think, right? And so, but um, the, the folks who we were on the property with were not, th- this, that can't be God. That cannot be God. 
Well, the devil, I guess, would give, I don't know why he would do that, but, anyway, the, but there was this pushback that said that, and then the whole thing started. Um, I wish Neil would hear, he'd tell it better than I would, but, and so the tent had been set up. We had, a, we had the 5,000-person tent set up. It's rated for, I think, 110 miles per hour. And you got like, I think it was 92, I forget how many pegs we got on this one that Chris put a lot of them in this afternoon. <laughs> but those, you got over 90 plus stakes that are in the ground that are driven in, <laughs> right? And so when that's going on and the religious spirit is rising up and wants to shut this town, so look, I want you to get this tent out of here. That was the pushback was happening. And so the front news of the, of the star news at that time they sent a reporter to this location because they had heard of what was going on in the signs and wonders. In fact, the front page of the Star News, I have it in my office, says uh, phenomenon in North Carolina. And if you remember Derek Prince's prophecy, there would be um, signs and wonders that the kings and the queens would come to study the phenomenon. So we're like, yay, come on, God, right? That's just the beginning. Teeth have got people being healed and there was all sorts of wonderful things happening. But at that point, um, I remember the timing was a little off, but there was a prophetic person in Virginia at one of the prayer furnaces uh, that my daughter Katie ended up going to, got on the phone with Gabriel, who was in Israel right now, or at least was. He was helping to coordinate the tent. He's on the phone, and the prophetic guy says to Gabriel, who's sitting at the tent site, God says it's time to move the tent. Within a short period of time, there's no way to explain this, except God did it. There was no wind anywhere else. All of a sudden, the tent gets lifted up, all the stakes, everything, lifted. There's no wind anywhere. The tent, the th th pick about it. It's rated for 110 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour, something like that. Lifts the tent up with all the stakes, drags it over a, the trailer that's back there, that big, big, humongous trailer. I think it broke one light. All the chairs, sound gear, everybody's there, and the tent is laid down. And uh, Gabriel, yeah, the, the tent's being moved. <laughs> God shut that thing down. He said, uh, and so the, I, I believe that was a religious spirit. Again, I, I want to, we've reconciled all that, so I don't want to, but we, we want to be, when we, we're in pursuit of revival, renewal, refreshing, reliving, raising the things that are dead back to life, there's going to be a battle. And I, and I, I want to warn us because um, the spirit of offense is right there. You will, you will find it. You'll, you, people get cranky when they're tired. I've been on how many? 29 mission trips. You put people without sleep for about four days. And uh, yeah, and they're not getting the right food, and they're cranky with their... And all of a sudden, that old flesh garbage starts happening, and man, division. I got too many stories of that. Um, so, I just want to put us on, yeah, pastor, revival, great. I'm asking you to let your flesh die and be part of this and pray into it and cover us. I already told you we've had a number of attacks that have occurred. Uh, when I started this meeting, Sarah was in the hospital Sunday night, almost lost breath because she reacted to some peanuts, took one little bite, hasn't had this reaction in years. And when her husband called me and said, I've got to get an EpiPen, I said, EpiPen, get her to the hospital now. Forget the amp, go. 
And I met him at the hospital and steroids and back and, and you know, where's Sarah now? She, she's good. So, Neil Blake needs eye surgery Monday because something broke off in his eye and he couldn't see out of his right eye. The guy who's setting up the tent, Craig Little, falls down the stairwell. Sally, who's helping coordinate the tent, all of a sudden she gets some kind of a bursitis in the leg. and can't. So, the war is on, and I've asked the intercessors. I think we had 30 intercessors here this morning. Please, please start praying. Would you join the fast tonight? We're in the fast officially now for 25 hours. Would you please join us in this? This is a serious moment. We just need a core of remnant people to say, we're, we're for this. Come on, God, show yourself strong. Because if you can make this really personal, it's your next-door neighbor, it's your son, it's your daughter. If they were to get saved or they were to get healed in that tent and they were to live forever, what would you pay for that? Could you put away tw- food for 25 hours? Could you stand in the gap? Could you pray? Could you, I, want you to get, I want you to make it really, really passionately personal. If you'll do that, God sees the hunger. So, I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm asking that you would really join with us in this. This is an opportunity that God can really move if we'll give Him everything. So, I want to ask you to turn the front page here. You know, first of all, what is revival? I've titled the thing, The Cost of Revival. What are the effects of revival? What stops revival? What will it take to bring revival? And then what's some of the history? We could learn some things from it. So, I, I, I pulled a number of articles together. Again, Pat was killing trees, and thank you, Pat. <laughs> She looks at me all the time like, are you for real, Pastor? Okay. So, and, and we're going to give you more information than you probably can uh, look, at, look at tonight. You want number five? Yeah. Didn't you make enough copies already this week? I know, yeah. but somebody uh, else asked you. Okay. You need, need more? Need more? Yeah, here you go. We got, no, we got plenty up here. Okay. So, if you'll turn to the, the, the second back, so the back page where it says, Erwin W. Lutzer, Prayer, The Cost of Revival. What will it take, this is at the top paragraph, what will it take for us to be driven to our knees? Bishop, Pastor Bishop said prayer. If you think about it, prayer is really, it is the, it is the catalyst that usually is ingrained in people that are hungry for this to happen. But what's it going to take for us to get on our knees in repentance and intercession, is it going to require an economic collapse, a massive disaster, another pandemic, complete loss of all your freedoms? Well, we don't want any of that. <laughs> Can we have revival without that, Lord? And I think the answer to that is yes. So, prayer is our declaration of dependence. And so, if we truly desire revival, almost almost all Christians do, we need to be that source. We ourselves need to be the source. Drop down, it says, we need to pray individually, but we need to pray together. I've often said when prayer meeting becomes a really major focus in a body, so I get really excited. You know, when you start with a few, now we're up to 30 on a regular, 35 intercessors. I realize people are working, but on Wednesday, when intercession starts to become a really powerful uh, draw and people are into it, um, that's a really excellent sign. So, look at the bottom. It says, what, I kind of started there. What do we mean by revival? I've heard it said quite correctly that God manifests His presence among His people. 
This is characterized by confession, reconciliation, heartfelt evangelism. Sins that have long since been excused are then seen as serious matters that need to be addressed. When, um, when you get really close to the Lord in the, in the tent of meeting in that presence, it's kind of like in Isaiah 6, right? He says, when the, when the train filled the temple, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he says, the coal came and touched. And then what was the outcome of that? The outcome was, who will go for me? Send me, Lord. I'll go. I'll send me. And so, what will happen in, in uh, these kinds of revival meetings, and I've seen pictures of those. Probably the closest I've seen is, is in Brazil. When I, I made like 11 trips with Randy Clark, and that's his nation of... Um, outpouring, and, you know, we were on one of his first trips there as a church, and of course, we saw miracles upon miracles, and you've read my book, you know that. So, but what will happen is people will really start to confess all the stuff that's getting in the way. So, look at page two. When the top of the page says, when Christians are willing to pay any price to make things right with God and with others, reconciliation. Many Christians long for revival because they want to see the nation turn to God. But revival does not begin with the unconverted. It begins by turning to Christ and honestly dealing with your own stuff. A burning desire, on page two at the bottom, burning desire to please God. Don't expect that revival will be pleasant. Um, I want to, I, I shared this, I think, this morning in intercession, but it, turn with me, if you will, to Second Chronicles 7, 14. I know many of you could probably quote it, but I want us to read it together from a couple of the two, two translations. So, Second Chronicles 7, 14. This is at the dedication of the temple. Solomon was given permission to build it. David wanted to. He said, no, your son will build it. David was warned, since you're a man of war, too much blood has been spilled, your son will build it. So David accumulated a lot of money, and his son built it. And in the dedication of the temple, this is what was said to Solomon in that dedication. In verse 14, then, so it's conditional, then if my people, so who are they, who's that? Who are called by my name? Okay, that's not... Judah, Ju who are the who are the people called by his name? It's the Christ, the Christ ones, right? It's the Christians. Those are his people. Of course, we I shared Sunday that um, the Jews are his people. We've been grafted in. We got all past that in Romans chapter eleven. That if you think you you're not part of the tree, you're wrong. Uh, you're the wild bunch. But so is the the original branch. And when all the right number of Gentiles has come in, all of Israel will be saved. So, he's speaking to his people, and he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What does that mean? Truly. What does humility really, really look like? Surrender. Complete surrender. And I, I got to tell I mean, I pray it, but this is that place where absolutely total. Uh, Neil covered this Sunday. It's like the best gift you can give him is your, your, your free will. And so, this is that place of humility. But look at the next step. There's a, there's a number of ifs. 
if one, they got to be my people. It's not the pagans. It's not your drunk neighbor next door. If that guy would just pray and go to church, everything be, we'd have a revival. No, it's not what it says. It says, if you, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. What happens when you seek a person's face? I shared this. There, there are times when my, my wife will tell me, I need your attention. And she'll look at me. I need your attention. Let's say, oh, this is not one of those casual moments. I better be more active listening because she's about to tell me something. If I don't get this, mama ain't happy. And so, so this is seeking my face. When you look somebody right in the eye, there's a really, first of all, if you can't look someone in the eye, then there's something either in you that is not connected with that person. There's some kind of level of insecurity. Um, there's something going on if you can't look at a person eyeball to eyeball because you're looking soul to soul. So when he says, they, he, they seek my, you're looking at the face of God in such a way that that love relationship, think of it as you parents, grandparents, when you have a child, they, 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 got, they got issues. Children have got, right? But you, that, that kid can mess up, and, and you love them, and you look at them, and it's like, oh, that's exactly what God said. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to draw close. I want you to look in my face. If you will look in my face, and you will do these things, this is what it'll do. This is the conditionality of this Second Chronicles. So if you will pray, humility, seek my face, turn away from all the stuff that doesn't please me. Stop your wickedness. Then I'll hear, you, I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive and I'll heal. There's three that go there. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to heal your land. And then your drunk neighbor will be part of that excitement yeah. when the land's healed. And guess what? Taxes aren't up, and meat doesn't cost $15 a pound, and gas is not running. And what the heck is this? And so this is the place where I really believe revival starts to begin, and I'm asking us to really do something in here. You can't drum it up. It's got to be done. But when he says at the bottom, revival's not pleasant, turn with me to page 3. I thought this was interesting. When we deal with our deep-seated narcissism, well, wow, that's, you've heard this thing being thrown around, right? See the top of page three on the left there? We acknowledge that there is a deep-seated narcissism. Well, narcissism as a spirit is a self-centered, extremely selfish craving for admiration. It's a spirit. And if you ever see, it's a bad label when somebody says, oh, that person's a narcissist. Yeesh, that's a horrible label. But the sin stuff we all deal with is our self-centered selfishness. It's about me. It's all about me. No, it's all about him, right? And so, so really dealing with this stuff about where will it start is if, Lord, I, David said, show me my heart. See if there be anything in there. I would really ask you, I'm doing it, ask every, during this fast, show me my mess. Show me it. 
Lord, I, I'm, I'm willing because he's such a good father. We know in 1 John 1, 9, if you'll confess it, he's faithful to forgive you. But if you continue in your mess, he'll show you it, but it may come out in ways that are a lot more painful. Relationships that fall apart. Stress, anxieties, fears. He begins this work in us, and if we'll go willingly in the surrender, he's a good and patient father who corrects us and says, I love what you're doing. Come on, I'll show you. And it's, I promise you, it's a lot less painful. But we're in a dangerous place because you are also in agreement with, Lord, we want revival. And Neil's been warning us, be careful that when we enter into this place, it's not the same go-to-church meeting stuff. It's the Ananias and Sapphira stuff that the liar, right, Peter, who denied Christ three times, he's the one when Ananias and Sapphira lie about the monies that they were going to give to the church, and he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Both of them dropped dead in the meeting. How'd you like to have that? I don't want any of that for our tent. I don't want that to be the headline. Come to the tent of meeting and die in your sin. So we're going to say, no, Jesus, please. So, but it's not the same, um, there's, a, there's a desire in that road for more that there's a, an expectation of a narrowing of the road that there's a righteous walk by the people who are orchestrating this event. And so, are you hearing my heart on this? Okay, I, I want us to have enough fear of the Lord on it, but at the same time, we want to go for it because there's so much at stake. And so, there'll be this... Look at what uh, Daniel said, <laughs> top of the page there too. It says, the word revival is actually derived from two Latin words, re, which means again. Somebody said, do it again. There goes Daisy. And vivo, which means to live. So, it really means to live again, be made alive. Clearly, it can only be applied to the people of God who've already experienced eternal life and need to be revived. As one person put it, it's the inrush of the spirit into the body that has been threatened to become a corpse. It's the lukewarm, right? You, you can quote this for, with me, right? In Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, y'all think you're really good. You're actually blind and you're naked. <laughs> yeah, right? I suggest that you get some salve for your eyes and you buy gold from me that's been revined by the fire because you actually, you make me sick. I want to spit you out. You're lukewarm. That's not good, man. That, and, the, and, and that church was such a church on, in, in revival. And so, so my, my desire, my heart's desire is, Lord, show us how to repent on this. Give us the Holy Spirit power. We've been sharing that we want to be Sunday mornings. I invite you to come Sunday morning, 7.30. Great breakfast, great fellowship. Good people are there. Come on, one more time. And, and then we'll be together, and there's this, there's this place where we want to be Holy Spirit men and women. Holy Spirit men and women, led by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, if you'll walk in the Spirit, He'll produce these kind of things. But if you walk in the flesh, He'll produce everything that's bad. And so how do we learn to walk in the Spirit? It's the surrendered life. And, it's, and I know a lot of this is repetition, but... I want us to see that prayer is vital. Look at the, 
In fact, we're commanded to repent at this second paragraph down, but the very bottom of page three, prayer is vital to the revival, but personal obedience must follow. We sang that song, simple obedience. Getting to the place where you just say yes to what he asked you to do. Well, Lord, how do I know what? Ask him. What does he say in James 1, 5? Anyone lacks wisdom? Ask him. What do you want me to do? What's my role? What do I do? So prayer is personal revival. So I'd ask you to up your time of praying. And if you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. If you don't have the gift of tongues, come and get prayer. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Get your gift and start operating there. Seek after it. If not, just pray in English. These, these amazing, um, if you pull out your phone, it says, hey, Siri, give me some scriptures on praying for revival. Okay. I found this on the web. Forgive me some scriptures on praying for revival. Okay, here's 20, 20 Bible verses on how to pray for revival. 11 scriptures on how to be a revived again. Scriptures and prayers to revive. Married to His grace. So, you can pull down instantly, if you've got a smartphone, you can get this right, boom, boom, boom. You don't have to even get your concordance out. We used to get out the paper and like look it up. You, man, it's right there. So, pray. I, yeah. You still like the concordance? Oh, well, okay. Praise God. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I like paper too. I, I, I do, but I've, that's nice. Anyway, Okay. So, prayer is really our connector, if you think about it, and revival is going to happen if we're, we're in that simple obedience. That means we're going to overcome. So, if you've got any hidden sin going on, gossip, greed, hatred, unbelief, offense, ask God to take it from you. You got somebody you can't stand, I hate them, you need to get over that, all right? You can't hate. Even... Those who have done the most vile things to you personally. It's not allowed. In fact, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Jesus told us, red letter, if you refuse to forgive, the Father will not forgive you. And if you're unforgiven, that's a scary place. There's no condition around that one. And most of us have something that has really hurt us and wounded us. And it, sometimes it takes lots of layers of prayer to get there so that your head starts to come into agreement with now what's in your heart. And so, prayer is the connection. So, we've got to deal with our stuff so that, I love what Jesus said in the garden, right? The devil is, he asked the boys to pray with him, and they're so, why are they falling asleep? Right? He just, maybe they had a long day. I don't know. They just went from the upper room. He washed their feet. They had communion. He told them a lot of stuff. One of you is going to betray me. So they walk literally from the upper room down to the Garden of Gethsemane is a quarter of a mile. It's not that far, maybe. But. So they get down there, and Jesus says, I need you to pray with me. And they fall asleep. Goes over there, goes down to his father. Father, let this cup pass for me. If there's any other way to do this. Then he says, I need prayer support. Wakes three times. Now, he should have kicked Peter. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking like maybe that's why he's the son of God and I'm not. But, it, but it's like you don't understand. Peter, the devil has asked 
to sift you, but I've prayed for you. They don't. They fall asleep. So I, I don't know. So at this point, he says, okay, get up. My betrayer is coming, but he has nothing in me. I don't want the betrayer to have anything to work with in this house. So this is a time where, Lord, I just, I just need you to reveal to us. I think if we do that from an open heart, he'll show us that. He'll, he'll, he'll reveal it to us without having to make us go to the woodshed to figure it out. Okay, you okay? All right, I just, all right. It's going to get better, I promise. Okay, turn to page four. Top of the page says that prayer that does not really include repentance is really not prayer at all. Interesting. This, uh, he was part of a revival in Canada. He says that, says in Canada, many of the communities, some of the communities many years ago, uh, more than a few Christians were not pleased with it, in effect. They did not like what was happening. We thought that revival meant that the unconverted would be convicted of their sin. Bars and pornography shops would close. We expected that crime would decrease. People would return to the church we did not realize that God would deal more thoroughly with us. <laughs> the bottom line, I've highlighted this. I have it in lots of red. <laughs> Yours is uh, kind of black there, but it says, don't pray for revival unless you personally are willing to be revived. God may begin with you and warn you that it might be painful. He may then use your personal story to begin a chain of events that will eventually affect others. And the sorrow wrought by the repentance and faith will eventually turn to joy. So go to prayer, not to get the blessings. Go to prayer willing to have your own need for repentance exposed. Go to prayer and ask God to show you what should change in your life and in your relationships. Are you ready to be uncovered? <laughs> it's basically. But you know what's awesome is if there's really true love and there's really true family, and that could be your, your biological family or it's your church family, if there's, if there's really true love and, and true family, then it's a safe place to do that. And in prayer ministry, um, we have people coming in from all over. We just had two fly in from California this week. We do our prayer ministry, and there's a... There's a place there where people are just willing to hear, this is my stuff. And when you, are, when you take that stuff that is hidden and you bring it into the light, it'll lose its power. But if you keep it hidden, you'll pay a price. And so this is where the bottom line is, just help us, Lord, to be free and, and to be trusting. And the family, if the family's really in love, it'll be a safe place. Now, that doesn't mean you tell everybody every stuff, but you, there are people you should have a confidence with that you can go and say, look, I'm struggling with this issue. Would you pray for me? Page five, top, it says, what's wrong that has to be made right? What offenses need to be addressed? I've been praying, Lord, if there's anything holding this back, and I've had two people in the last six weeks who for years were offended with me, and that has gotten reconciled. And so I've just been praying, Lord, Whatever I, whatever I need to do, just I, I want reconciliation. And so, 
Revival, I circled it. Revival said one evangelist is God's finger pointed at you. Okay, let's go to something a little bit nicer. Okay, page six, the effects of true revival. Today, many people pray. You see that in page six? It says, today, many people pray for and long for revival, a special outpouring. This is a different author. This is David Dixon. And praying spiritually renewal, and many will be converted. The view of advancing the tide against the truth and the Word of God has alarmed us. There's lots of despair. Man, if we look at our... We look at our culture. This was written in 2017. I think today he would probably have more, more emphasis on this. When we see what's happening culturally today, it's like really even the laws of the country are, are really, wow. Revival, you see the star that revival is a time when God is truly seen as God, His glorious majesty. That's why we desperately need. Secularism has pushed God to the edges and sometimes even Christians are comfortable with that. So we see God. We want to see God truly as He is. Bottom of that page in those small, it says, some may ask, do we really need, do we need revival today? The following is a brief clip to help some people answer that. And it goes really through one of the Psalms that's really focused on revival. And so he looks at the next page on page 7. Psalm 85 is, if you read through that, it's a cry to revive His people again. And the church has been praying, and often churches, you'll, there'll be churches that'll have a revival week, and they'll bring in a speaker, and, and, but revival really, if you think about it, how do we pray for revival? So, I'd encourage you, you might want to read Psalm 85, but it's in that middle of that page, it says, God's favor cannot endure to be without. This is that hunger. Um, it's the taste and see and know that God is good, right? Once you've tasted God and you see it, it's like, oh, I want that again. Um, I remember some of the amazing times when God just started to move. I've shared with you, probably some of you, if you've read the book, but I remember the, uh, the revival in Belém, Brazil. We went there three times, actually, and I believe it was the second time we were in Belém on the Amazon in Brazil, and uh, we had a team, I think my numbers might be wrong, but it was somewhere between 45 and 60 in the prayer team. The church, it was a church of 10,000, and uh, it's the church that had no walls. They literally had run out of money, and uh, the first time we got there was during 9-11. We actually flew in on 9-11. The towers had just gotten run into, and... Um, we were the first plane in from the U.S., and there were planes coming in from Europe. Randy Clark was flying in from Pennsylvania. You know what happened to the plane in Pennsylvania. And so, there were, I, I forget how many planes, but the team was going to arrive in, uh, at the capital there in, uh, in Brazil. And then, so we get through customs. We're the first plane of Americans through, and we're going to wait for the team, and then we're going to take a bus to go uh, to, uh, to the church there. And... Uh, we start hearing these things, did you hear America was attacked? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you haven't heard? So all the Brits and the American-speaking, English-speaking folks, we get to this one coffee shop that has the, the televisions on, and I see the second tower coming down. I go, this is a movie, right? This is, that's not real, right? And they said, no, America's under attack. And so it was like, oh my gosh, what do we do, God? This is crazy. Well, at this point, 
Sarah's trying to, my mom and dad are on a, no, mom was with you. Dad, my dad's on a plane, an international plane. Is that one of the planes maybe that's in the tower? That's, well, all the cell phones are jammed, all the computer, every, everybody's doing the same thing. You can't call anybody, right? So we're, we're, we're flying blind. All I know is I'm a pastor. I got this team arriving. Randy's not here. None of the senior leaders are here. What do we do? Well, why don't we pray and worship? So uh, we had our worship team with us. Uh, Rich White was there. He had borrowed, uh, a, I think it was from Terry, right? Borrowed a, a, uh, a guitar case that had I Love New York sticker on it. But we're not from New York. We're from North Carolina. <laughs> but it was, the, it was a case. It was a beat-up case. You could put a guitar and not worry about it. Well, all of a sudden, the press from Brazil shows up and they want to interview Americans. Well, what do you think about what happened? Now, Randy had told us, we want you to keep quiet because, you know, we're in a Catholic nation and, and uh, we're evangelicals and signs and wonders. And so, you know, just kind of stay incognito. Well, the press shows up and, like, they want to interview us. <laughs> and then they zoom in and they see the I Love New York sticker. These guys are from New York. So we're from North Carolina. Well, something got lost in the translation. <laughs> and so, what do you think about And, like, and so so much for the quiet incognito. So we come through customs, and I said, okay, break out the worship team. We're going to worship all the planes in safely. So we're, I remember they started playing the, the uh, these are the days of Elijah. And we got the Koreans who get off a plane from another, you know, they're coming in, and they start, and they come over, we want to dance with you. So we're doing the days of Elijah with the Koreans, the South Americans are coming in. The janitor comes over with his broom, and he's dancing, and, and, and like, it, we went from, we're all scared, and what the heck is going on, to let's worship. And finally, I remember, as every plane would come in, you'd hear the screams through uh, customs, hallelujah, praise God, another team. And so all of our team made it. So we get on the bus, and we end up in Belém in the church without walls. And they said, well, are you going to stay and do your mission trip? You know, most of you are from America. You're under attack. We couldn't go back if we wanted. They froze all the planes. So we said, no, we're here. Um, by that time, we had contacted our families. We're all alive. We don't know how long we're going to be here now. We had planned for two weeks, but could be longer. Uh, so we're going to do revival. That night when we got to the church, now here's a church. They had spent all their money, but it's like eight, ten thousand 10,000 people in it. They had a stage that went, it was a huge church, but it went, they had this one by six hewn rough timber. They built a stage by hand and nailed it together. But they had a dance team that wanted to honor us, that you guys are under attack, and yet you're willing to come here and invest in our nation, and we want to honor you. And I had a prayer just before I left. I said, Lord, I want to know, because I'm frustrated. I've now been on multiple mission trips, and I go to these other countries, and I see the blind eyes open, the tumors disappear. I want that for America. Why is it not in America? you got to tell me why it's not. I'm spending money and time. I'm bringing teams to invest there. I didn't get an answer right away, but that night I did. They had a dance team. I want to guess 40 or 50 dance members. Each one of them was wrapped in an American flag. And they did a dance to Amazing Grace. And then they came down, and at the end of the song, they got in front of each one of the Americans in the flag 
And the woman who was in front of me, the dancer in front of me, she cried a tear puddle, and I'm not exaggerating. It was, could have filled a cup. She was broken in her desire to honor who had come to invest in her country. And the Lord said, do you want to know why I come? That's why I come. I said, honor and hunger. So, if we want revival, that night God showed up. We, we, we came back the next night, and Randy got up on the stage, and I had a, a Brazilian pastor who was my translator, and Randy's going to open the meeting. We probably had, I don't know, 6,000 people maybe, the numbers. It's a big church, and it was, they had no walls. They only had enough money to put the tin roof on, and they had not run out of money and couldn't put the tin walls on. So he had got this humongous church with all of the chairs that they had poured their own concrete level of it, and they had the hewn stage that was rough. And Randy says, Lord, I ask you to release the fire of your presence, some, some of that, something like that language. And as soon as he got the word, the fire of your presence out, a thunder crash, a lightning bolt hit, went through the sky. Boom! The whole place shook. It's all metal. And I'm like, whoa! Everybody goes, whoa! There's no walls on the church. And he goes, and the pastor turned to me. He goes, when God comes here, it always rains. And he said, let the rain and the fire of your presence come. Within five minutes, and this is the dry season. It hadn't rained in, I don't know, months. It's the dry season. not supposed to rain. All of a sudden, you hear on the metal roof. It's like, good, great. You can't even hear yourself talk, Right? And Randy's, he, Randy's trying to share and preach. Now, in this corner over here, they had a special section on the stage. They had a signer who could translate English to, there were at least 20, I don't know the number, 20 plus uh, deaf mutes in that church who had come. There was something that happened in whatever. And they were translating Randy's message. And all of a sudden, you feel the wind of the rain, and it blows, and there's no wall here. The wind of the rain blows in, and all of these deaf mutes get, get misted by the rain. And all of a sudden, and each of them has a signer next to them, and all of a sudden you hear, and the signers are all crying, and it's like everything is stopped. It's like they're all getting their, 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 their tongues are being loosed by the sovereign move of God, by the rain that had fallen. And all of a sudden, it is crazy, and I'm standing here next to Randy. We've lost control between the rain, loud noises, and now you got Bedlam. They're all screaming, oh, my God, praise God, and they're, and it's, you know, my senor, mice, 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 senor. You see, you got Portuguese, you got English, you got tongues, you got, good Lord. Then this lady was sitting right off to my side here. She stands, she pops up and says, I can see, I can see, in, 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 her, in her native tongue, and he translates, I'm going, and Randy turns to me, and this is in one of his books. He says, I've lost control, and God's here. <laughs> I said, you think? <laughs> you know? And guess what, Randy? We don't want to be in control now. That night was an incredible night of the moves of God. The, the sovereign presence of God was so, now you have to say, why? They were hungry. They were, they were extremely hungry and extremely honoring people. And so we went back there three times, and then they had money, and they fixed the church and everything. And uh, it was just a, an amazing time where if we can capture this hunger and this desire, God will come. 
We had this morning the couple that flew in from Bethel. I had them pray for us at intercession today. And then he was a tent guy. He helped set up the tent, John and his wife. Uh, and so back a few years ago, how many of you saw the glory cloud that showed up in Bethel Church? Anybody ever see that? Go, go online. Go on Bethel Church. Look at the glory cloud. It showed up, and it's literally, there is the, there's a cloud that just is in the church, and it's there. It's, you can't deny it. It's like, well, what is that? It, well, it's just God showing that He's here, you know? So, so I desire that we see these steps. If you go back to page 7 and 8, how should we pray for revival? And what are the, what are the effects of revival? Well, he lists a number, and we'll just hit them briefly here. It's like revival brings the peace of God. Revival brings more of God. Page 9, revival brings more of His grace. Page 10, revival brings holiness. That's our desire. Turn to page 11. We've hit on this. You actually told me, what, what do you think would stop revival? This pastor in page 11 and 12, the number one stopper of revival is the religious spirit. That can't be God. Explain to me why you think that's God. Now, there was a word this morning that said, take your expectations of what this is going to look like off the table. Yeah. It's going to be different. And so, now, does that mean we, we believe everything's God? Of course not. We're going to test this. And I've, I've asked you to help me in this. When, when the, we, we want to give room for the Holy Spirit, you see that on Sunday mornings, it's yeah, okay, we know kind of what our songs are going to be. I believe I know what I'm going to preach on. We've asked the Holy Spirit what to do with that. Um, but the rest is pretty orchestrated by the Holy Ghost. People get a word. Can I share this? And I don't know what the altar call is going to be until we're here. And then we find out that was good when you find out that I measure some of our services by the number of tissues that are left on the floor when we're done. Right? You can figure like, wow. And so, when people are coming and they're crying, they're receiving, they're receiving, like what happened Sunday? There were visitors here, and one of, the, one of them got wonderfully touched, right? And so, so help us in this orchestration of the Holy Spirit in the tent just to pray. We'll, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we have the right people in places for the prayer tent, for the deliverance tent. Um, but take the expectations off of what it's supposed to look like. I don't, we really don't have a much of a agenda. We have speakers. We haven't told them what to preach. And we told them, if you get here and the Holy Spirit's going to do something else, you're not going to speak and you have to be okay with that. And so, so we're just going to do our best to let the Holy Spirit have His way. And I promise you, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be different. Um, but He also said, we're not ignorant of the, of the devil's devices, so we need to be aware. So this person goes on. They had a, if you look at page 12, I'll just quickly, I'll quickly hit this. Um, they had a person at the top, second paragraph at the top. They were crying out for revival. They've been praying for revival. But someone who was influential in the church stood up and says, I hate to be a wet blanket, but there will be no revival. Wow. Talk about undermining spiritual authority and the risk you're taking <laughs> right there. And the pastor said, sir, you're out of order. 
uh, and told them there will be a revival, yes. What are you going to do with that? When, and so then the, the pastor said, what you just saw was a religious spirit operating. And that's number one enemy to revival. It attempts to shut down the revival when it comes. And you'll find out some of the, most, the biggest naysayers are people that are either in the church or in another church, right? So we want to make sure that God has an opportunity to, fl- to be able to move, but let the Holy Spirit lead us. I've often heard, well, I've not seen this before, so that can't be God. Oh, so you're going to tell God how He should do it. Boy, you better watch out. Woohoo! Yeah. There's a real warning in Revelation, t- in uh, Matthew 12. The things that are attributed, remember Jesus said, you can say whatever you want to me, that'll be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's an unpardonable sin. So just be careful. That I've never seen that before. Now, I want to know if that's the Holy Spirit or some other spirit. I need the gift of discernment. And obviously, it's obvious, right? If the person, like I remember um, in Brazil, if a person's trying to jump off the roof and their eyeballs are rolling and they're under demonic influence, that's not God. Pulling their hair out, you know, um, that's not God. Um, so, or all these manifestations, that's, that's not God. But there are other times like, I don't, I don't know what that is right now. So, Lord, help me to understand it. I, um, we want it to be a safe place, but we don't want to constrain the Spirit, right? We don't want, remember He said, don't, don't quench the Spirit and don't grieve the Spirit. You can quench, the, that ain't God, Randy Clark, if you've ever heard of his, when, he, when the revival broke out in his little 110-person, 140-person Baptist church in St. Louis, there were, even an elder on his board was mad that they brought the vineyard guys in because Randy said, I'm hungry, right? And his testimony was, you know, one of his members, key leaders stayed out of the meeting. Another one was there and was sitting in the back of them in, in a skeptical form, and the Holy Ghost got on him, <laughs> And all of a sudden, he starts doing one of the shaking deals. I've heard this story a number of times, right? And he had a contact in it was heard. He goes, Randy, tell it to stop. Tell it to stop, Randy. I got to my eye. That might be a word of knowledge. Oh, you and your word of knowledge. What are you talking about? And so the Holy Spirit that night completely transformed that church. And then it was on to Toronto and 10 years and 4 million people impacted Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. So, it looks kind of weird. I remember Heidi being turned upside down, right? Um, paralyzed from the neck down. Is that God? I don't know. But she got a revelation during that time. Roland would take her to the church in Toronto, pick her up, says, get me to the altar, she can't move. She's having, she needs somebody to help her get to the bathroom, brings her to the altar every day, leaves her there, and the Lord told her, I've heard her tell, us, tell me this, said, um, I'm going to show you that you can't, when you go back to Mozambique, because the word was, do you want the nation of Mozambique? Randy asked her, and she didn't answer, asked her the second time, and then she cried out, yes. Well, she was about to quit ministry. She was done. She'd been, had a lot of troubles, more than you can believe in it in Mozambique at that time and hadn't seen revival. And the Lord told her, says, Heidi, I'm going to show you that you can't go back to Mozambique and do this by yourself. I'm going to show you you need help. 
and she's there, and she's got to go to the bathroom, and there's nobody in the church. Then the cleaning lady comes in the back door, and Heidi says, can you help me? And the cleaning lady helps her, picks her up, gets her on the potty, gets her back, and puts her, says, do you see? I'm going to send you the help that you need, but it'll come in places you don't expect it. And so, the God works with us in these. So, what I'm telling you is, be open, we'll be on guard, have your discernment, you know, up, but let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, page 14. I love this. Derek Prince says, what's it going to take to bring revival? And some of you have already said this as well. Um, and I love what Derek said. This was printed in 2019, and it was just when Leif Hetland and Jack Taylor had come here, and we had this amazing conference, and they gave, they gave me the family stick. If you remember, some of you were here. It's the kingdom stick, and he imparted it. And uh, Jack's in heaven now. He's my spiritual papa. But I remember the word he said, I've been here. He was, in the, he was in this house, and he goes, I've been here before. I smell rain. And him, from his revival back years ago when he was in the Baptist church, when he got on the plane and they were flying out, this was given to me just as they had left. And the connection was um, prepare for rain. Look at the bottom of page 14. What's our part? Derek Prince says, uh, if he uses the example, if there's no rain, he was in Africa, I don't even have to say that, Namakwala land, he says there's no rain there, the whole place is dry, but in the spring the rains come, and all of a sudden everything breaks out. It's the seeds of revival, or the seeds that were dormant in the ground, when the revival rain comes, they bloom. And so, he says, I want to use that as an example, what's our part? Our part is to play in the outpouring of the rain of the Holy Spirit. To answer that question, you can look at the book of Joel which is the Holy Spirit. Hello, right? Which we've been praying and asking the Lord. And getting desperate. Here's that word again. Look at page 15. Top, he says, what's required for people to get desperate? You got to pray, Lord, make me desperate. Turn to Him with all that you are. Appeal for prayer. He says, appeal for prayer. This desperation prayer. This is that place where, and I would encourage you, Lord, would you make me more hungry? Would you make me more desperate? Would you make me able to seek this thing, desire this more? Then on page 16, this getting hungry, I trust you'll ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Top of page 16. Before you respond, I believe God would put it in your heart if you'll ask. You'll be one of those that commit themselves as the Holy Spirit empowers and enables you to pray for prayer of desperation, praying for desperation. We're going to pray this at the end, but I want to finish by giving you the Tommy Hicks, a quick summary of the Tommy Hicks revival. So we'll come back to page 16 and pray this to close out. Just give me a few more minutes. I've given you again, I handed this out previously, but page 17 is the prophecy that was given by Derek Prince and Dr. Woodhouse over this region that we're praying into. And so that's, that's legal, right? He tells us in Amos 3 that he doesn't do anything if he doesn't first tell the prophets. So you can pray, Lord, would you bring this revival? Would you prepare us? Prepare me. Make us desperate. Bring it together. Connect the people. That's on page 17. But now on page 18, let me summarize what is this simple obedience. That is what happened in the Argentine revival. Now you're going to start to smell some really, if you've ever studied uh, from Pastor Bishop's home, Nigeria there, where uh, Reinhard Bunke came and there were times he had like, what happened? I messed up your... Some of the pages? 
Okay, what, you don't have them? You don't have the Tommy Hicks revival? Okay, I got, this is here. Okay, all right, take those, see if that'll work. Okay, so we're, page 18 is the Argentine revival. What happened in Nigeria, I mean, there were times when, when you look at what happened with uh, Reinhard Bunke's ministry there, millions would come to the conferences. You've seen the pictures of mil, um, literally millions would come, right? And I remember Reinhard's testimony was when, he, when people start, when millions were coming, getting saved, and he goes, Lord, why did you use me? He goes, well, you were my third choice. The other two I asked said no. So it kind of humbled him. I said, Wow. The same thing happens in the Tommy Hicks revival. There are those, he'll pass it by for another generation, and if there's no free will involved, he'll, go, he'll wait. He needs some people with a free will that are engaged. So look at what happens here in the Tommy Hicks revival. This is in 1954. It's the Argentine revival. If any of you know the song, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? Remember that song, right? There's a whole thing there. Well, there was an Argentine um, dictator, now, Marie is from there. Karina is from there. And so, we've been there twice in Resistencia and saw an outpouring there incredibly in the Baptist church and through his heart's mission there. So, what happened in 1954? Look at the history of how this worked. And I don't know how pay, this page got on here, seven reasons you should pay for Israel. But I think that's great. But I didn't put that in there. Does everybody have that one? Yeah. Amazing. Well, God wants you to pray for it. So... It's on the back side of, it's after page 18, before you get to 19, seven reasons why you should pray for Israel. So, start praying for, obviously, the, the Lord wanted us to have that, unless Pat put it there for a reason. It, it appeared. Praise God. Okay. I think the Lord wants us to do that. We'll pray that tonight. Okay. Number 19, page 19. Here's the conditions for Argentina. Listen to the conditions. Argentina was considered by the missions boards to be the least fruitful mission field in the Western Hemisphere. That's kind of where God wants to go. There, um, Argentina, the Assemblies of God had been there for 40 years and could only account for 174 adults in their church. 40 years! That's not a lot of fruit. 1949, the census, the most successful denomination, had four, 574 members. The largest churches at the time averaged seven members. Well. Wow. The occult and spiritism was so, and it still is. We've seen lots of Macumba and San La Muerte. We've done prayer ministries. Oh, my goodness, the things I heard there. Okay. The Roman Catholic Church discriminated against the Protestant churches. Extraordinary prayer. Many cite, look at the bottom page there. Many cite the American healing evangelist Tommy Hicks to spark this Argentine revival. Others had laid the foundation in prayer but Hicks, age 44, was conducting a series of meetings in Tallahassee, Florida, when God showed him a vision. He saw a map of South America covered with vast fields of golden wheat ripe for harvest. The wheat sud suddenly began to turn into human bodies. Men and women had their hands high, crying out, come, Brother Hicks, come and help us. What a vision, right? Hicks records that he received that prophecy when he wrote, it in his Bible. So, he writes that in his Bible, and then he waits. So, there's a prophetic message, just like the one from Derek Prince gave us here. 
And he writes, what shall that go? And gets a, well, a few months later, he's in Red Bluff, California, after a successful evangelistic crusade. A pastor's wife, while leading in prayer, repeats the identical words of the prophecy. Hicks had not yet told anyone the vision or the prophecy. He then shows the pastor's wife, and she breaks down in tears. So there's the confirmation of the prophetic word. So now what do you do with that? What does Tommy Hicks do with that? Well, here's the guy who was asked to go the first time. You know T.L. Osborne. The healing evangelist T.L. Osborne was invited by the committee of several Pentecostal Alliance pastors who were organizing the evangelistic campaign in Buenos Aires. Due to Osborne's needs to decline the invitation, it was extended to Tommy Hicks, second choice. As Tommy Hicks was in Los Angeles airport making preparations for the flight, he prayed with a friend, give us 50,000 souls. While he's on the flight, he didn't know where he's going. While he's on the flight, he keeps hearing the name Perone, Perone, Perone. He asked the flight attendant, who's Perone? That's the dictator or the president, Juan Perone, of the nation you're flying to. Oh, okay. After Tommy Hicks arrives in Argentina during his first meeting with a group of missionaries, he said, I have two requests. I need to meet with the president, Juan Perón, and I need to get a stadium. They think he's crazy. Here's where the religious, that's not possible. We've been sewing here for 40 years, and we haven't got anything good, right? The evangelistic committee thought the suggestions were preposterous. Juan Perón was intolerant, uncooperative, and a religious leader said, you can't do this. He, go, he goes so far to forbid the Catholics to use any of the radios, the TV, or any form of media. Concerning renting a stadium, that's going to take months in advance. Even with the political and religious mountains standing there, Hicks said, I'm going to meet with the president. Tommy Hicks, look at the bottom of page 21. Tommy Hicks went to Casa Rosada, the equivalent of the White House in the United States, with an interpreter he got to the office of the minister of religion, but that seemed to be as close as he could get to the president. It was in that the minister's secretary comes limping into the room. Fresh meat, right? Comes walking in. Hicks asks if he could pray for him. Here's the reply. Jesus Christ himself, if he were here, he couldn't help this leg. Oh, really? Right? Hicks then prays. He's instantly healed. The pain disappears. Hicks is immediately taken to the president. <laughs> Early in the presidency, Perón enjoyed <clears throat> the support of the Catholic Church, but now <clears throat> he's upset with the Catholic Church because he wants to open up brothels and allow divorces. <clears throat> so he's now not happy with the church. Well, in this environment, Hicks was welcomed into the president's office, bottom of page 22. After Hicks was informed, he asked permission if he could pray for Perone because he could see, or basically was told, he has eczema and psoriasis. So you got the dictator of the country who's got a skin disease. And he says, can I pray for you? He's instantly healed. Guess what happens? You can have anything you want. <laughs> it's like, sounds like Nebuchadnezzar, right? The, or Daniel. The God of Daniel. If anybody doesn't, you better, right? So you can use the 45,000-seat stadium. You free, have free access to state radio and press. Freedom to preach anywhere you want. Does the signs and wonders make room? Yes, it does. What happens? What's the result? 
The evangelistic service began with a 45,000 seat. Within 52 days, he preaches 52 days, 6,000 come in attendance. The gospel of Jesus Christ was preached. Thank you, dear. <clears throat> Every night, while wow, you talk about, woo, better save your voice. It was impossible for, for Hicks to pray for everybody. Can you imagine? He didn't have much of a ministry team. He's only got like seven members in churches. So when the service of having a strong emphasis on divine healing, the immediate results were evidenced by pictures. And here's some of them. You see them here. Evidence. You go online, you'll get even more. The pastoral evangelist committee didn't have any money to spend on advertisement, so the press did it for him with all the miracles. And word started spreading. That's why I tell you, when the blind eyes start opening and the limbs grow out and the broken bones are healed and the tumors disappear, that's what happened to us in this church in Belém. I've told you, one night we're there, the second trip we're there, my wife's up front, we've got a ministry team there, the church has now grown, they've got sides on the wall. We're praying, this woman comes up, she's got a tumor on her uterus. I've shared this with you before, but it was so graphic to me, I've never been able to get it out of my mind. My wife's standing next to this pastor. He's a vineyard pastor. He's about 300 pounds, and they're praying together. They're praying for the woman with a translator that this tumor will disappear. All of a sudden, God's honest truth. The tumor, the size of a softball filled with blood and pus, falls out of the woman on the floor, running down into the floor. And the pastor and my wife are saying, don't step in it. Watch out, everybody. And the woman who's freaking out because something just fell out of her body runs to the woman's room in the back and leaves. And like, everybody's going, What's, what happened here? <laughs> God showed up. I mean, God showed up. But the tumor's out. The next morning, the next time we give the mic, the next day, Randy's got her on the stage and the translation says, I had a tumor on my uterus. And it's no longer there. So when that starts happening, guess what happened? That church grew like you would not believe. And Randy was invited back. And then it started. Santarém. <laughs> we went up Belém, Manaus, Santarém. It's like it got more invites than you know what to do with. So I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. So let's finish up here with this one and we'll be done. <clears throat> what about the opposition? Well, let's... The opposition starts to rise. Look at page 25. The topic of conversation in the schools, the stores, the factories, the offices, the trains, the buses, he must be a magician. He must be a witch doctor. Remember, this culture is filled with Macumba, San La Muerte. You'll see the white flag. You'll go and pay money, and you'll bring your child who's sick, and they'll pray for him. Right, Maria? Still happens. The witch doctors and Macumba is still present. Not as much. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, the magazines, they start exploiting the spectacular. There were those who were terminally ill who tried to get to this. Well, now, well, this word's out. If you're sick and you're dying, so people die on the way to the meeting. So now they make a lot of negativity about that. Is that Hicks's fault? But anyway, they, they say, so, but what happens is the negative accusations against Hicks did nothing but increase the attendance. Medical doctors. Then they said, well, he's practicing medicine without a license. <laughs> Come on. People are getting healed. Tumors are just, you have a license for medical? No. You're practicing without. So they tried to shut it down. And so the largest evangelical denomination, the bottom of page 25, 
as they denied God still heals. This is the Satanist stuff. I talked to you last couple of weeks. There are denominations that can't be, that God doesn't heal like this today. The Roman Catholic Church protested, and I love the, the dictator's response. Why should a mighty church like Rome be afraid of a little Protestant who lacks any backing from a large church? Just have Jesus. <laughs> they, the, the leadership responded, but look at it, the multitudes who flock to him and see the miracles. That sounds like Pharisees, does it not? I must conclude, the president says, quote, I must conclude that he has the backing of Almighty God and can nothing be done about that. All the controversy and opposition revealed an interest in the attendance. The entire nation was awakened. The entire way. And, the, and, this, and of course, what happens with that is so many things. Churches are birthed. Mission boards happen. About 6 million people attend his, this on page 27. It's all the results of the revival. Thousands and thousands. And so, this is the consequence of a person who's willing to pay the price. But it's messy. I have his end time vision just before he died. And I've got to tell you, it looks a lot like what's going on right now. It said, plagues will come. Of course, we know that from Matthew 24 as well. Jesus told us that. There'll be a lot of nobodies, the unheard ofs, mom. She said the nobodies who know somebody who are going to be, they're going to be the ones that God is going to move on. My mom's been telling me that for several years now. That, he goes on, I'll just summarize. He said, look, there's, there's a, a roar. There's a, a mighty army that's going to rise up in these end times. The plagues will come. There'll be giants that look crazy in the land. But there'll be a great rain and a deluge as people will pray for hours and for days nonstop, 24-7 in a tent. And so this is that anointing and power. They says there'll be a clap of thunder. This morning, Mary Esther said when she got this download about rain coming in worship, she says, what's the first thing you want to hear when you know rain's coming? You'll hear the thunder clap. So again, this is just a prophetic revelation of what I believe we're on the verge to see and, and we're asking God for. So let's turn to that prayer and we'll stand. Thank you for being patient tonight. We're going to finish up. We're going to pray this prayer. It's on page 16. So let's stand together. This is one, I, I'll give you, um, you have to be willing to pay the price. So don't pray it if you're not really willing. Page 16. It's towards the bottom. It's, it starts with, Father, I stand in awe of your presence. Everybody see it? Yes. So page 16, Derek Prince recommended that you pray this with free will. This prayer is like calling on those with whom the Holy Spirit will lead. Therefore, take a moment, he said, and, and listen to the Spirit. And if you believe that God may wish to use you in this way, simply express your willingness to follow him in this calling with the following prayer. You ready? Father, I stand in awe of your presence. Thank you for the challenge of your word that has come to me. I cry to you for mercy for my nation. God, have mercy on us. In judgment, remember mercy. Enable me in your grace and by your Holy Spirit to experience a breakthrough in prayer, to pray in desperation 
for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to draw this nation back to you. Father, I pray for you to move by your Holy Spirit to bring revival to our land and throughout the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lord, we just thank you. We give you praise, Lord. The next few weeks, we'll be here Sunday, but the next few weeks, and as long as God wants us to, we'll be in the tent. So, Lord, I just pray that you would invite, you would invite all those who come, and I want to encourage you, we're going to send out, if you could take a copy of the flyer that says Tent of Meeting, we have some out there, right? And so, if not, you know, just take a little picture on your phone, and then look, go through your address thing and invite people in your address. We're doing a tent of meeting. See the, see the attachment and invite them. If you guys got 70 plus in your phones, invite them, even if they're from another state. Man, guess what? Our te- oh, we're getting ready to do this. So you could pray for our church. Would you want to come if you come? Because we're just going to blanket. We've got it on five different secular radio stations. The clip you saw Sunday about coming to the tent. So I just want you to be a mouthpiece. Invite people. Hand, put some of the flyers in your car. Hand them out. We'll hand out some flyers on Sunday as well. So God bless you all. Thank you for being with us. I love you all. Pray for us. Those on live stream, God bless you all too.